So I'll just pray with you before we launch. I want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege of sharing with these, your people. And together, Lord, would you help us incline our hearts and our ears to you? Help us to be exactly like what your word says this morning, that we would be humble and contrite in spirit and trembling at your word, that that we would eagerly listen, that we would embrace the truth that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've had two weeks to prepare rather than one week, and it was still only at about 10 o'clock last night that I finally things started to become clear because I decided to humble myself under the word. Isn't that amazing? I was um, keen to have something to share with you that would show you that I've got a good handle on this chapter and how it fits in with the rest of the Bible. And um, in the end, the Lord's, I think the Lord just said, um, just apply it to yourself and share that with the people, and that would be good. So... <clears throat> Just to give you a bit of background to those being addressed here in Isaiah 66, the people the Lord is speaking to are a group of people within Israel. It's not, he's not talking to all of Israel here. He's talking to those within Israel who are like the good juice in the bunch of grapes that I think it was John that shared with us from chapter 65. Verse 8, this is what the Lord says, As when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes, and men say, Don't destroy it, there is yet some good in it, so will I do in behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. So you've got this group of people who are surrounded by God's people, God's people, But God's people are doing as they please and they are just travelling along very nicely with their surrounding culture, worshipping the idols of those around them and not only that, but mocking and excluding those who really do want to be faithful to the Lord. You might remember that God's people had been warned again and again and again by the prophets that if you continue to worship idols... And if you keep rejecting my word, I will come in and remove you from your land and you'll go into exile. And this, of course, happened. And so God's people were in shame and disgrace in Babylon. But there were those among those who were exiled who reflected on all this and said to themselves, among themselves, we want to be faithful to God. We want to do what's right. Um, so verse 5 you've got um, the Lord saying to them your own people who hate you and exclude you because of my name so that's the first challenge that these people are facing that they are a small minority amongst God's larger group of people but they are keen to be faithful, to be true, to listen and respond to the word of God. But they face another challenge, and that is that they are 
in a foreign land and their temple is destroyed, how on earth are they going to be faithful to God, to be acceptable to God and to be able to worship God when the place that they're supposed to worship in is destroyed and they don't have the power or the resources to do anything about it? So how does this apply to Dale Skews? Well, first of all, I do love the Lord and I've accepted his word and I want to be a faithful follower of Jesus. And I know that as I look out at you, there are many eyes looking back at me saying, I'm there too, that's me. And that's the reason why most of you come and gather together is because that's what we want to do. We love the Lord. We've accepted his word and we want to do what's right. But the second challenge that faces these people also faces me as well, and that is this. That where I wish I was and where I am right now is just so... There's a million miles in between. And just like they're looking at the temple that they wish existed... (laughs) so that they could offer their sacrifices and they could please the Lord and make him proud and they just think, I just can't even conceive of how we are ever going to get there. And sometimes when life is easy, I don't know if you can relate to this, but when life is easy, you can fool your, I can fool myself into thinking that I'm quite godly. I'm just looking for any kind of... Okay, I've got one person nodding. The rest of us are humble. (laughs) But for me personally, this last 12 months especially, I have had my own sinfulness right in my face. It was always there, but it's been much more in my face. And I'm saying to the Lord more than ever, where... I want to be and where I am right now there is just this great distance and sometimes it feels like it's an insurmountable distance and I can be tempted to lose hope so I want to share with you some hope for the hopeless from Isaiah 66 this morning so the first thing is that God says to these small struggling desiring to be faithful people Don't put your hope in what you're going to do for me. I want you to put your hope in what I will do for you. I'll say that again. Don't put your hope in what you want to do for me. Put your hope in what I will do for you. So the chapter begins, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being. Do I need you to make a house for me? Says the Lord. Am I so small that you need to put a roof over my head? But in verse 10 and following, the Lord describes to them what he's building for them. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her, for you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says, 
I'll extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. You will be comforted over Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. This is an echo of chapter 40, where the Lord has... The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are a description of, uh, to a large extent, of Israel's sin and their failure and their rebellion and the, and the consequences and the punishment that are coming upon them, including the exile. <clears throat> and then there's a shift in chapter 40, and it says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And down to verse 6, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of, the, of our God stands forever. And here is the Lord saying to them, don't worry about what you wish you could build for me. This is what I'm building for you, a city. A city where you will be comforted. You will be comforted over your sins. You will be forgiven for all of your sins, all of it paid for. And you will no longer be blown away like dry grass, but you will grow like beautiful, lush, green grass. Remember chapter 66, verse 14, when you see this, your heart will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. This is what a sinner like me really longs for and needs. It's the assurance of forgiveness and it's the promise of genuine growth. Not growth that I somehow muster up in myself, but growth that is given by God. And God says he will do it. And he promises to us that we are going to be part, that we are part of this beautiful city, the new Jerusalem that is described in Revelation chapter 21. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. When I spend all of my time looking at my sinful self, I get so discouraged. But I am confident that God, who has begun a good work in me, will carry it on to completion. And that I will be among those, by the grace of God, who are presented to Jesus in beauty. And John says that when he comes we will be changed, for we will see him as he is. This is God's accomplishment. This is what God will do, and we can have confidence in it. Amen?
second thing here is we can have confidence in what God is building, that he is making us into his new Jerusalem where we will be forgiven and we will grow. How will we grow? We grow the way we begin and that is through the word of God. The Lord says, don't worry about making a house for me. This is what I'm after. These are the ones, verse 2, I look on with favour, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. I find this really encouraging that this great insurmountable task of somehow trying to do all that God requires comes down to this. God will do what God needs to do, what only God can do. My job is to humble myself under his word. And that begins with believing the message of Jesus. Have you believed the message of Jesus this morning? When you heard the gospel that Christ died for you, though you are a... um, a wayward sinner, that God would love you so much that he would lay down the life of his own son as a perfect sacrifice so that you, by putting your trust in him, could have full forgiveness and eternal life. And when you heard that message, did you believe it? If you believed it, then I want you to take encouragement from that this morning, that these words of Isaiah are not addressed to those who are rotting, and dying outside of the city in punishment. But this is addressed to those who have listened and have taken note of the, of the word. Verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. The encouragement is for those who have trembled at his word, who have believed it, who have received it. If that is you this morning, you have great reason to hope. Not great reason to despair. Because the scripture says in Ephesians 1.13, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Wow. When we receive the word of God, we receive the spirit of God, the presence of God and the power of God that is at work in us to change us and to make us more like God. And this is great reason to hope. Also in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says, We thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So my encouragement for you this morning is to rejoice that you have received the word, that you are included in Christ, that you have the spirit of Christ, but also that you continue to humble yourself under the word of God, that it may continue to have its effect in you. This is how we grow like that beautiful spring grass is that the spirit of God with the word of God as we humble ourselves we grow and we become more and more like Christ until we see him. And 
Finally, we have these words about a sign. Isaiah talks about a sign that reveals the glory of God. Verse 19, I will set a sign among them and I will send some of those who survived to the nations, to Tarshish, to the Libyans and Lydians, famous as archers, to Tabal and Greece and to the distant islands that have not heard, not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations. What is this sign in the midst of God's people that the people of God gather to and go out with to declare. Well, if you'd asked the exiles, how, will people, how are people to know about God? How are they to experience his glory? And they may have said to you with tears in their eyes, at one stage... They could have come to the temple and they could have seen with their own eyes this glorious, magnificent structure built according to God's own instructions, filled with all sorts of beautiful gold furnishings, surrounded by purple and gold curtains with angels embroidered on them. Glorious. The glorious temple, the presence of God, the power of God, concentrated in one place. But it is no more. It's in ruins. It's our fault. And we don't have the resources to do anything about it. And God says to them, I don't need you to build me a house. I will set my glory among the nations. I will put my sign in your midst and what is the sign? Let's go back to the earlier verses of Isaiah 66 and these interesting verses where it says in verse 3, Whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a person. Whoever offers a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense is like one who worships an idol. Aren't these the things that God has actually asked them to do? To present offerings? To burn incense? To bring grain offerings? Yes. It's in the law. It's how God's people, under the law, were to make themselves right with God. But God is looking ahead for these people who have no means of doing any of these things, he says to them, there's coming a time when it will be actually abhorrent for you to do these things. Why? Because of the sign. What's the sign? The sign is the cross. That is our sign. It's the most widely recognised sign in the world today. Even though people wear it meaninglessly around their neck, you may not wear it meaninglessly, but um, it's, it's just become a symbol that everyone is just so, so familiar with. It's the sign of the cross. Why would someone who offers a bull or a lamb or a grain offering or an incense offering 
be like doing something so disgusting and terrible to God is because Jesus, the one who died on the cross, is the one who has, made, who has paid for his people's sins once and for all with nothing else to pay. And so it's good for us to watch our hearts because we can be like the exiles and say, I'm never going to be acceptable to God until I can do this, until I can build him this house, until I can put in the blood, sweat and tears that's required to somehow put together something of some semblance of something glorious so that God will be pleased with me and I can say I've done my part. When we live like that, what we're actually doing is that we're trying to add offerings to what Christ has already done. What are you doing? What are you doing? Where is your confidence? Where is your hope? Where is your glory? The glory of Dale Skews is not in him being able to get to the point where he can present his life to the community and say, have a look at me, I've got it together. The glory of Dale Skews is to say, a person who falls so far short when I'm seeing things clearly has a God who loves him so much that he would pay for all of my failings with the life of his own son and he put it on display for the world to see on a Roman cross. This is my glory. This is the glory that we gather to this morning and this is the glory that we go with into the corners of the world. Not our glory, not what we have done, but with a confidence in God, in his word, in what he's building and his wonderful cross. Amen? Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your kindness that you would bring our hearts to the point that we could know our need and embrace your solution. Thank you, Jesus, for your cross. Thank you also, Lord, for the word, your word that is at work in us. Thank you for your spirit, your spirit who takes your word as we humble ourselves and grows us. And we thank you for this wonderful hope of being part of your new Jerusalem, of being your beloved bride, and that when you come, Jesus, that you will complete what you have begun and we will be with you forever. Lord, we pause to think of those we know and love who are outside of your kingdom and who are destined for a different kind of trembling, Lord, a dread and a punishment. Please, Lord, would you help us as we carry your word that we would see more and more people know their need and embrace your salvation 
and hope with us. In Jesus' name, amen.